the programs which the state funds, are they running the way that, well, the state intended for them to run, or are we wasting our money with these particular programs? By the way, did you know, what does the Auditor General do? So welcome back to, by the way, Did You Know? And today we have a special guest with us. We have not had a state row officer with us, so I guess we've made it now to the big time. Uh, and I'm, I'm proud to have with us today the Auditor General, Tim DeFour. Torin, Representative Eckert, it's an absolute privilege to be here today, so thank you for having me. Of course. And this podcast, we like to talk about uh, things that folks might not hear about or educate people on how state government works. And I think your office is someone people know about, but I don't think they know all the details of what goes into the daily job of Auditor General. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So Tim, just give a little bit of a background where you came from. This is kind of, you're an auditor at heart. You've you've had this experience before. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Um, and one number one, thank you for, for having me. And I've been doing this type of work for, for over over 30 years. And um, I you know, started out as a special investigator and did some audits with the Office of the Inspector General investigating fraud, waste, and abuse within state government. And then went to the Attorney General's office where I investigated Medicaid fraud and also prescription drug diversion and um, also crimes against any type of government-funded health care programs, Medicaid, Medicare, TRICARE, CHIP, and those types of things. Um, I then spent some time in the private sector doing the same thing, but also I, I got my education as an internal auditor. And what my responsibilities were to audit the auditors to make sure that they were doing the job that they're supposed to according to any contracts they may have with the federal government and assuring that the people on the job, in fact, had the background and the credentials to do the job. And if you want to make friends, be an internal auditor. From it, I'm sorry. Yeah, an auditor of an auditor. I'm sure that, that you're a popular guy. Oh, extremely popular. <laughs> extremely. And then so from there, I, um, I ran for Dolphin County Controller, where I changed the way that Dolphin County reported its finances from a regular independent audit to an annual financial comprehensive report. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my career, I helped Dolphin County earn the first of its eight consecutive national awards for financial reporting. And also I started the first audit bureau within, within Dolphin County. And um, going into my second term, I was then asked to run for Auditor General, which I reluctantly did, because <laughs> as, as many people know, um, I'm not much of a politician, but I love the work. And um, I, I ran and um, here I am with you. Yeah, and, and we couldn't be happier to have you. And you've done some great work in your office already, and and we look forward to many more, many more years of, of the great work your office does. But on that topic, so what is what is the daily life as the Auditor General? What you know, we know you audit. We you have various tasks, and we'll get into some of those different things. But what is it like in the daily life of uh, Auditor DeFore? Um, busy, a lot of meetings and a lot of reading. Um, one of the things that we do, and a lot of people don't notice, as far as what we do, we, we follow the Pennsylvania Fiscal Code. And the first line of the Fiscal Code, with regards to the Auditor General, states that um, the Auditor General shall audit the debtors to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Basically, anybody where, who receives any, any, a check or any type of funding through the Department of Treasury, we are responsible for doing that. And also, there are other audits that we are required by law to do. So everything that we do, it, um, it's, it's e either required 
by law or required by some type of, of policy. But when we do those audits, a lot of people don't know that we have certain standards that we have to follow, certain federal standards that we, that we have to follow. And that's how we, um, that's how we do our, our audits. And um, you know, I was asked a question a couple of days ago with regards to how do we get our audits? Get our audits from several different, different places. We get them from the general public, get them from legislators such as yourself, and also if our auditors happen to see something that's kind of kind of different and requires some attention, then we get it that way. So there's several, several different areas where we do get our audits from. What do you think is the, the most audited, you know, what is, what's the, the most common task or audit that you guys have to accomplish every year or every couple years? Um, those would be the, the, um, the statutory required audits. And that could be either a, a county audit, that could be a county rural officer, it could be children and youth, it could be corporate taxes. And, um, and there are several different ones, oh, also pensions and your volunteer fire relief associations. So those are the ones that we have to perform every year because we are required by law. And those are pretty much on a financial level. Then we have our, our performance audits, and our performance audits are exactly what the name says. Are our state departments, or the programs which the state funds, are they running the way that well, the state intended for them to run, or are we wasting our money with these particular programs? Yeah, so people hear the word audit a lot, but why audit? Why, why, why is that so important to state government? To make sure that state government's funds are, are being spent the way they're supposed to be spent. As you know, whenever there's any type of state dollars that are being allocated, they all have strings attached to them, stating that you shall audit, you shall audit um, these funds in accordance to the law to make sure that these state funds are in fact being spent the way they're supposed to be spent. And that's what we do. We follow the rules, regulations to assure that our tax dollars, because both you and I are taxpayers, right. make sure that our taxpayers, our tax dollars are being spent the way that they're supposed to be spent. So that's the purpose of an audit. So we have a specific role and state government. I'm popular, <laughs> but um, nobody likes to be audited, especially auditors, and we also get audited by three different entities. Okay. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's our, our role, to make sure that the tax dollars are, in fact, being spent the way they're supposed to be spent. Look, my constituents love that. My constituents want to make sure that their hard-earned taxpayer money is, is being spent wisely and safely and, and responsibly, and I think your office is, is important in that and making sure that's accomplished. I know that something another passion of yours is financial literacy and, yes. and educating our young folks and really everybody about financial literacy. What's your office doing with that? So um, back in November of 2021, we started our Be Money Smart financial literacy initiative. And what we did to kick that off is that we partner with other organizations. We partner with Junior Achievement. We partner with different wise and different organizations across the state who also promote financial literacy and we're talking about some of the things that that they're doing with regards to financial literacy one of the things that we realize is financial literacy is extremely important to our to our children and it, it's, it's all about helping the next generation um, help us so um so we've been going across the state talking about and promoting our be money smart financial literacy initiative and that's to bring awareness to financial 
to financial literacy. And there are some organizations, especially you have a lot of, of credit unions, the FPSCCU and Members First, who are also partnered with us with regards to promoting financial literacy because they also feel, and they're credit unions, they also feel and know the importance of financial literacy when it comes to their own their own clients. I think it's so important. I, I'm involved with Junior Achievement. I go in and, and they kind of tr try to work that into some of their curriculum too. I think it's so important that that fo that we we educate our young folks and probably some of our some folks that are already out there to understand the importance of financial literacy and what that means and how to balance a checkbook and and how to take care of your your monthly and, bills. And and you bring up a very important point as many adults feel that financial literacy needs to be taught from kindergarten through 12th grade in our school in our schools the same amount of people feel that adults also need to be taught financial literacy there's 20 states in our country that teach financial literacy from kindergarten through 12th grade 20 pennsylvania unfortunately is not one of them hopefully one day that's that's going to change so my district was redrawn, as you know, and I now have a state university. I have Shippensburg in my district, and I know that you've toured all the state universities. Uh, talk about why you did that. So there's a couple of reasons why we did that. Um, our department, along with a lot of other departments in the Commonwealth, um, we, we have a, an issue with employees retiring, and employees are retiring quicker than we can, can replace them. So we've been crossing the state talking about what the Department of Auditor General does, promoting employment with the Department of Auditor General. And also, we, um, along with the, the Chancellor for PASHI, we kicked off our Intern to Hire program. Okay, great. And what that is, is that if you intern with our office and you have 900 hours of, of intern internship, which is, I believe, is the equivalent of two summers, you graduate, you have 12 credit hours of accounting or 12 credit hours of IT, you're guaranteed a position. And um, so that it was our way of keeping our graduating students in the Commonwealth, but also promoting good Commonwealth jobs and, and talking about things with regards to being employed with the Commonwealth that the average person may not know. One of the things that was very surprising to me was that when we talked about especially tuition forgiveness, how a lot of students and some administrators at some of our PASI schools and state-related universities did not know. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, look shows everybody can learn something, right? And, Absolutely. And I think uh, anything we do to promote employment and different career pathways, I think, is a great. So I think it's awesome that you're that you're you've done that Thank and you. that your office is doing that. So something that I learned a couple of weeks ago, we had a hearing with the uh, the House Republican Appropriations, uh, met with yourself and Treasurer Garrity uh, to just kind of go over some things. But something that was kind of highlighted that I guess I never I never realized was. The Auditor General doesn't have subpoena power. No, the Auditor General doesn't. And um, the Attorney General, where I once worked as a special agent, has it. County controllers have it, but the Auditor General does not. And the reason why that is so important is because, as as you know, when state funds are allocated, at t they're allocated to, to state departments, but they're also allocated to entities that, are, that receive state funding, but they are also private businesses. And with some of the audits that we may have coming up, if we go to those private businesses and request some of the financial documentation of funds that they receive from the Commonwealth, they have the ability of thumbing their nose up at us and not giving us the documents because they were saying, well, we're private business. And we can't subpoena those documents because we don't have subpoena power. And we're going to a private 
either a private corporation or a private entity that receives state funds. So you know, by not having the ability to subpoena those documents, if we're denied our initial request, it pretty much puts a hand behind our back when we're performing these audits, and it's going to make it um, somewhat, somewhat difficult. Yeah, I mean, how do you do an? How, it's incredible how you do an audit if you can't get the documents and the the can't. information. It's impossible. And, you, you, and can't, you can't, you can't, you can't do a complete and equality audit if you don't have all the documentation that that you need. Yeah, it's the the power of that subpoena. I mean, they might cooperate, and you might not even need the subpoena. But right, to exactly. not have that power is is it's not a it's right. not, exactly. not used as a tool to to get that. Exactly, and it's and one of the things that I learned throughout my career with the Inspector General's Office and the Attorney General's Office, sometimes the threat of a subpoena works just as well as issuing a subpoena. No one wants to issue a subpoena. I certainly do not. But sometimes when you threaten somebody with a subpoena, that works as, works as well. But that's something that is, is absolutely needed for, for us to do the job that, we are, that we're supposed to do. And look, this is, again, money going to—this is state money, money from the, the government going to these private entities. You're not just subpoenaing, you know, random folks out there. This is actually folks that are receiving state funding. That, that is correct, exactly. And that's our, that's our responsibility, to audit any, any funds, any state funds that are going to, whether it's a state department or whether it's going to a private entity that receives state's funds. We're responsible for auditing those. So one of the the more highlighted uh, and maybe talked about pieces of of your work that's been recently put out was the school reserve audit that you did. Can you talk a little bit about that and and you know how that came to be and yeah, what some and, of the this, uh, yeah this is an issue that's been around for for quite some time. Um, you know, prior to me being auditor general, and prior to me even being elected official, I'm going to go back to my time at, as Dolphin County Controller, and. Um, and one of the things that had been talked about was whether or not school districts were moving money in their general fund to give the appearance that they didn't have any money in their general fund, therefore applying for an emergency waiver to raise taxes without having the say of, of the taxpayers. And um, so we decided to, to perform the audit, and we, we did a pilot project to 12 school districts and found out that that was something that was that was true. Now, one of the things that I do want to say is none of these school districts broke the law. Um, they certainly found their ways around the law, but they, they did not break the law. So that means that there has to be some type of fix with regards to making sure that this is something that that doesn't doesn't happen happen again. And one of the things that the schools were arguing, and actually and I agree with the schools in, in this respect, is that they have to have their budget submitted on June 30th. And of course, as you know, so does the state. And right. a lot of times schools do not know how much money they're going to receive from the state. And this is one of the reasons why, why they're doing this. One of the things that we had recommended is that the schools be allowed to submit their budgets by September 30th. Um, giving them 90 days from the time that the state budget is to be approved in order for them to submit their submit their budgets, and there there has there's it's been talked about talked about uh, across the state, um, and you know from legislators to school board members, and one of the things that I would like to see happening if somebody has a concern not only with this audit, but also with any audits that we may may produce, and our audits are we perform our audits for a certain reason. If you have a concern as opposed to writing an op-ed, getting behind a camera, getting in front of a microphone, come in and see me. I have an open door policy. If you have a question or concern 
about anything that I do, whether it's critical or not. Stop in and see me, and let's let's talk about this. And you know, so many times you have so too many entities that that fight in the press, and they don't have that discussion face to face. I want to have that discussion face to face. So anybody out there listening, if you're critical of any audit that um, my department has performed, make an appointment, stop in and see me, and we can sit down and have a. Um, open and honest conversation about these issues collaboration is important and that's Extremely. how it's, and 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 all it isn't it isn't worth anything if we can't learn something from it or, exactly. or build off of it Ex- exactly and that's one of the reasons when we perform our audits one of the things that we do is we s- send our audits to whoever we're auditing for them to provide their their input and once we get their input we put their input Inside our, that's included inside our audit reports. But at times you need to have a conversation beyond that. And um, I'm open for any type of, of conversations um, with, with anybody. All you need to do is just reach out. Well, I think that's a great way to end. And Tim, you know, I, we can't thank you enough for what you do in your office. It's such an important role uh, in our state. And here's to many more audits to, to make yes. our state more efficient and, and and responsible for our taxpayer money. So, again, thanks for joining me, Representative, Tim. Representative Ecker, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And we've had, this has been, by the way, Did You Know, with the Auditor General, Tim DeFore. Tune in for all of my podcasts at repecker.com slash podcast.